0: Hi, welcome to the Creative Review Podcast. I'm Eliza Williams, and on today's show, we're going to discuss the death of the high street and whether creativity and design can do anything to save it. Joining me in this discussion, we have two guests, uh, Zia Zareem Slade, who is Customer Experience Director at Fortnum & Mason, and Steve James Royal, who is co-founder of design studio Yard Creative, who have worked with retail brands including JD Sports, Nike, Coty, and Fortnum's. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you Hi. for
1: having us. Thank you.
0: Okay, so we're going to discuss high street stores, which at the moment feels a little bit like one bad news story after another, at least from certain brands, certain very well-known, and to some extent very well-loved brands, although perhaps not quite loved enough maybe is part of the problem. Um, but, you know, we've been hearing bad stuff about John Lewis's figures, House of Fraser, M&S. Uh, not everything is bad, though. Fortnum's is reporting double-digit growth, I think, for a few years running, is that right, Zia? Six. Six
1: years.
0: Six year running. Yeah. And also Selfridges and Primark have also been reporting good figures. So this isn't a universal story. And we're not really here to talk about business, but there are a few factors that have been uh, attributed to the problems, including things like digital and people buying stuff online, Brexit, uh, perhaps the changing mood of, of customers in the UK... I mean, are there things you would say are issues before we get into just talking about whether design can help these issues? Are there things that you perhaps Zia to start with you at Fortnum's? Are there things you would identify that could have caused these problems for Fortnum's and that you haven't experienced?
1: Well, it's it's not so much that I these are there are issues that could have caused a problem for Fortnum's. Of course, there are, but I think the the, the death of the high street or the seeming death of the high street, is has been a, coming about for a number of years. This yeah. isn't, yes, the kind of headlines are one after the other at the moment, but this is a culmination of years of neglect, uh, changing consumer behaviour, lack of responsiveness, lack of agility, and the complexity that is inherent in trying to navigate some of these issues. And by complexity, what I mean is, you know, business structures resource skills uh understanding you know um and and this is stuff that's been coming for you know 15 years and so it just seems to be that tipping point at which obviously some some unfortunately some real kind of things have come home to roost for some brands um but i think it's far more complex than just going well it was all the internet's fault and yeah um you know i think that's a it's kind of a cheap shot really but um, yes, there are issues and yes, every brand has to be paying clear attention to how they navigate those issues and it is it is much easier said than done. Um, for us at Fortnum's, you know, Fortnum's was the world's first multi-channel retailer because with the advent of the telephone... <laughs> you know, we were taking orders for all over the world and we've been distributing all over the world for a very long time. So the good thing about that is that when the internet came along, actually that was an opportunity. It wasn't ever seen as uh, a threat. And I, I remember many moons ago in my career sitting in a boardroom where... Uh, the board at the time thought the internet would go away one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a lot of people
0: did. You know, I think sort of defensive
1: reaction absolutely, absolutely. And some of those retailers, you know, are no longer with us anymore. But um, but you know, luckily for Fortnum's, they're fortuitous enough to see that this is an opportunity. And so I think that's been really powerful. But but that's not to say we are safeguarded from any of the issues that that face all our kind of peers across the, across the retail landscape. Um, so yeah it's complicated we're not immune and yes design and creativity have a role to play in helping resolve some of those things but it's um th- there is no uh, silver bullet as there was so
0: yeah steve has, has this come up for you with clients i mean i imagine it comes up all the time yeah, yeah. all
2: the time and it, it is a hot topic every single day for us the the one thing that if we look back over the last just half decade it's the ability to respond, adapt, and how quickly can you do that? And unfortunately, there are a lot of big brands that are like container ships. They take forever just to change a little bit. And if you look at the people that have succeeded, they are the people that were quick to respond and they put things in place. And I think if you 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 look at Lush, for instance, you know their ability to just keep changing, keep evolving, is why it keeps them. I think they again they were UK retailer, two thousand eighteen again, um, and you know they they just keep adapting.
0: Yeah. So in that sense, is it, it just thinking of where creativity can come in? I mean, is is that adaptation also? what customers want to see that they want to see excitement and change because a lot of these the big brands it seems to me like John Lewis House of Fraser Debenhams they it's hard for me I mean John Lewis I think is slightly separate in my mind for this but certainly Debenhams and House of Fraser it's hard to see what they're offering is that's unique yeah, to me okay.
1: and I think just stepping in on this point I think that's one of the challenges I think you've got kind of the single-minded view of the death of the high street and then you've actually got a sub topic in that which is actually the struggle for department stores and they're different things actually and they, they there are similar issues and root causes but they're actually kind of more complicated and department stores per se are you know they are houses of brands yeah so what do they stand for and I think that's why you see Selfridges so positively swinging bucking the trend as it were because The one thing that brand has done for a very long time now is be really clear about who they are and what matters to them. Mm. They've taken a leadership point of view on a number of things. I mean, I I worked at Selfridges when... Project Ocean was first born, I think eight eight years ago or um, seven years ago, when they first kind of dedicated the entire Oxford Street store to Project Ocean, which was all about saving our oceans and reducing yeah, plastic and reducing still water. So current now, and yeah. look at it now; it's now everyone's woken up to single-use plastic water bottles and all of that good stuff. But they were doing that seven years ago, so they've been really confident in creating that destination experience wise and in terms of point of view so you kind of want to buy into a bit of their personality yeah whereas you talk about some of the others and you can't you actually can't differentiate n- not just the product but the in-store experience because they're all trying to copy suffrages and and their personalities don't really stand for much and I think that's that's part of the reason why they've uh, they've kind of fallen by the wayside and had a tougher time of it. You can see over the last number of years the efforts that they've all gone to to try But mm. I mean, it's been be, painful, actually. Uh, yeah, to watch. and, and uh, it has been. And part of the challenge is, to Steve's point, about kind of turning turning the tanker, as it were. And that's all to do with organisational structures, accountability, budgets. Um, but also, you know, just if you sat there 15 years ago, with your fingers in your ears thinking the internet was going to go away. Well... Yeah. And you weren't quick enough to move then. Then between that and the kind of absolute hungering customers for different, different new, new that you know, it is kind of the writings on the wall for people.
0: Yeah. So how? So what? I mean, does branding have a place here? Because there's been two, well, three big rebrands in the last week. Uh, John Lewis and Waitrose and Debenhams all released rebrands last week, along with terrible news about their business success, which was. Uncomfortable timing, but kind of interesting timing in some ways. I mean, do you think that branding can help with these things? I think it depends how you uh,
2: define a rebrand. The branding isn't a logo, branding's an idea. Yeah. So, was there a good enough idea behind that rebrand to create a point of difference that consumers are going to engage with? I don't know. I wasn't involved in them. But I mean, if you treat it from a purely aesthetic point of view, that I don't, I don't think you can judge that yet because it's not. It's too early days. But
1: I, I would say for for us at Fortnum's and, and the kind of um, success that we've seen over the num- last few years, when I am picket, a lot of it was about brand because it was um, six years ago we doing a deep dive on what we stood for. Yeah. And what our our teams felt we stood for what customer perception was and we kind of de- de- pulled the drains up and and had a good long hard look in, in the mirror and for- fortunately we were a new team so the the chief exec started six years ago and then some of us joined uh, a little while later and there were members of the board that have, have been around for a while but that real honest hard deep look at what we were as a brand who we were how we behaved how we you know was the driving force through for change yeah so in there are lots of things we have done, but all of those things have been about how the brand behaves. Not not whether the shade of O'Doniel is accurate, although that is incredibly important, but actually it's kind of doing what we, is at the heart of what what we're about. So whether that's innovation or whether that's about food stories or whether that's about um, being more relevant to more people more often, you know, for us, it was about looking at it and understanding that we were at risk i guess to some degree that people go oh i love fortnum's but i only come once a year mm, or, it's not exactly. really for me and actually that kind of was a real wake-up call cause you so, could have
0: been going down that dive absolutely
1: yeah. and you know we all remember Woolworths. i remember remember good old woolies and and the news the news broadcasts then and people crying on the streets but all very well and good but you didn't shop there yeah. and so it might be great that you love a brand but if you're not they're not doing enough to connect with you and get you to part with your cash, then oh well, it's not, it kind of the inevitable happens. So for us, it was that deep dive look, understanding the delta between what we knew we were, what we cared about and what our customers thought and then acting on it. So whether that was doing our sponsorship of Somerset House and Skate at Christmas to be more fun and relevant to different audiences, you know, it was... Uh, turning up at Port Elliot with a restaurant, completely, uns- you know, surprising for people and differentiated. Yes, there were visual clues in all of that and work that had to get done, but it was more about behaving in, in a different way. Yeah,
0: I mean, when you describe that then, there's, it, it seems like there's many, many strands to it, all kind of happening at once. And I feel with the John Lewis thing, I mean, they, and Waitrose, I mean, I felt that when I saw that rebranding, it felt Everything felt more about John Lewis and about Waitrose for me. Yeah, the, certainly the advertising that came with it felt extremely focused on John Lewis's previous messaging. So I keep talking about it as the John Lewis rebrand. But I felt they were they definitely had a position they were trying to present the partners' position. But is that on its is one thing like that on its own enough? Because what you're talking about then is actually a kind of quite playful approach that's coming in lots of different ways, mm. and that one customer might experience one thing, and another will experience something quite different. But it's all part of the same yeah. overall feel.
1: But I think there's a there's a point in there which is you know in many of these other organisations, and I allude back to Steve's point about these bigger businesses. Um, The risk is that you have a marketing director who's got a, or a brand director, who's got a budget and a remit to make sure that the identity, the identity is what's worked on. Yeah. My job at Fortnum's is to make sure we are joining the dots up. So my job is identity. It is connected to the strategy and it is connected to a commercial return for digital. So fundamentally that gives me and the team that work with me the remit to challenge and push to make sure we're doing what we say. Yeah. So I feel a little at this point in time, we've got a poster exercise in some of these other rebrands. It will be interesting when I go shopping later this evening in my local Waitrose if I feel any different. Yeah. And, and I think that's the if real it's coming test, through. yeah. Um, yeah. Like what behaviourally will change? Well, if it's nothing, then it's not. Yes. And, that- yeah,
2: and you, you could wonder whether or not if they if they looked at how much money they spent on that mm. and actually distributed it wider, whether or not they would see a better reaction. Yeah, Because I think, like, to, I mean, Zia would totally agree with us on this, understanding your consumer is the key part of succeeding as a brand. Mm. And surprising and delighting them on constantly is so important. And... You, if you think you know your consumer as a brand today, you still have to do the same exercise six months down the line because generations and consumers are changing so quickly right now. It's unbelievable the amount of times brands like and Mason are coming to us to kind of say, Look, who are our customers? Help us understand this. You know, it's becoming more and more of our business for sure yeah. to help brands understand their consumers.
0: And how do you actually go about that? How do you discover who oh, without giving fun. out the, oh, the no,
2: magic? No. no, we have a lot of fun actually. So we um, we do a lot of quantitative. Yeah. Um, so we have our own live platform that we push out. Um, the art of actually putting the right questions together. Yeah. Is really uh, key. Um, we arm ourselves with GoPros and we go out onto the street and we okay. talk with people. We still use the same live platform. Um, so. But then it's not just about asking questions. Um, what customers say they do and what they actually do are fundamentally two of very course. different things. Of course, that's the trick. Scene. So <laughs> you have to shadow, you have to follow. Um, we do a lot of ethnographic studies um, to kind of watch.
0: Are you sort uh, of lurking in stores? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're always there
2: in the shadows. Um, yes. And then, yeah, but equally... You know, reaching out, we, we partner a lot with a lot of the trend agencies and kind of understanding. I mean, WGSN have just done a fantastic report on Gen Z. Okay. Um, and as a, as a generation, they are going to put us to shame, no doubt. Okay. Um, but the change is. Give in- me some
0: highlights. What's the. How do you mean they're going to put us to shame? Well, uh,
2: they will be the generation that changes the world, mm. for sure. The, the way that they care. Uh, you've got two segments of Generation Z, you've got Generation me and generation we
0: okay
2: so one is very much more <laughs> i know it's <laughs> all very much about kind of them and you know making sure they get all the likes and all that aspect of themselves generation we is much more about being part of okay something yeah yeah the, i
0: mean these are trends you hear that there's yeah. a, a sense of people caring about obviously the environment and the world but also a sort of anti-corporation feel right yeah, yeah. okay I mean do you feel going back to sort of John Lewis and the department stores do you feel they're actually trying to speak to too many people at once and and that their consumer is isn't defined enough
1: I think that's a really it's a really kind of tough question what I, I would say on the knowing your customer bit of course I 100% agree that I have got customer in my job title so I better, better know them but I think the real flip side of it and is is knowing who you are. And that, like, I come back to it again, which is that Fortnum's, it's just about being really confident in who we are. And then what you can do is, it kind of doesn't matter, it does matter, but you're evolving audiences, plural, and people behave in different modes at different times. Um, And understanding all those nuances becomes much easier if you're really confident in what you stand for. And I think too often, people can get caught up in identity application and know uh, we've got a big kind of, the customer is at the heart of what we do. I mean, how many times have we all heard that one? Mm. Um, but actually that's kind of a meaningless if I don't know what I stand for as a brand. Yeah. And I think that's, it. it's kind of uncomfortable for brands to want to reflect on themselves because we've all been told for many years now, you've got to know your customer, know your customer, know your customer. No point knowing them if you don't know how to talk to them or what you'd want to say to them, even if you did manage to catch their attention. So I do think that there's a big lesson in that, which is just like really relentlessly tuning and honing who you are. And is that and then, a painful and, and, process sometimes? Of course yeah. it is, of course yeah. it is. Because um, A, you know, lots of people have different opinions and uh, there's lots of, you know, one of the things we haven't really touched on is like the organisational construct. So if you just look at the tenure, the typical tenure of a CEO or a marketing director, there are, I haven't got the studies, I don't know, but I'm fascinated by it. But I guarantee that there is some correlation between business performance and where someone is in the tenure of their career and how often that repeats. Because no one wants the legacy of being the person that gets it wrong. Everyone wants to be able to go, I did this and put their archive piece in. So that fundamentally changes the way people behave. Fundamentally, it's human condition. Like we all kind of have an ego and that's, that's going to be part of it. Yeah. So I do think that when you look at some of the brand cycles and the performance and the creativity that runs through some brands, they're geared by different things sometimes. And you know, one of the things that we'll probably see as a result of the partnerships rebrand between John Lewis and Waitrose is the one really super smart thing is if all their people feel more empowered and more partnership-like, like they've got a vested interest, if their people feel it, then actually, if I go to Waitrose this evening, I probably will feel it differently. Yeah. Even if yeah. nothing in the environment has changed.
0: I was going to mention that, that there is something for good old-fashioned customer service and customer experience. And in that sense, if that runs through John Lewis and Waitrose, that could actually be a very powerful yeah. thing. At the moment, it still feels... I mean, it's very new, this the rebrand, but it still feels a slightly contrived message in some of the films yeah. that have come with it. Yeah. But... But yeah, if you go in and experience it, then that matters. I right? mean, it's
1: like unbelievable how much difference it can make to your day and your shopping behaviour if someone just greets you properly. Yeah. Like, and actually in our in our current society of head down on the phone, <laughs> not paying attention, actually, and we know this from Fortnums, you know, being able to look someone in the eye and say, Good afternoon, can I help you? transforms stuff. Yeah. It's like it's good old basics and um you know, I think there's probably a power in what, what John Lewis are doing just by galvanizing and orientating all their people in a common direction. And whether or not the customer watches the film and feels more affection, who, who knows? But actually, if they talk to Pete in their local shop and Pete you know, loves his job a bit more, then that then probably will be an upside. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: and we're actually at the point whereby we won't start any new work with any clients unless they are investing in their people.
0: Okay, because so in what sense? In the sense
2: of, like, it doesn't matter, we can design the best experience for a brand, you know, we can back it up with science and intelligence and create a masterpiece for somebody that will, will change a sector, but at the end of the day, the last touch point between that consumer and that brand is a member of staff, Yeah. nine mm-hmm. times out of ten in the physical world, so they can destroy it. So the investment that needs to go into people is as much as it goes into creativity, as much as it goes into data mining, as much as it is operations. And there's a fundamental aspect there of physical retail whereby people like people.
0: Yeah. So does that mean things like all the automated machine shopping things actually undermine that? I mean, there was something interesting I read about people are more likely to steal from uh if you're doing the the automated checkout that there was something because ultimately people see it as just a corporate thing rather than a person right so you're more like and it's possibly easier to do it i suspect because you you know unexpected item in the bagging area thing (laughs) (laughs) i'm not talking at all from personal experience but you know there's but it was interesting in terms of of what that suggests about that human interaction that if you feel it's a real person that you're working with yeah. it makes a difference
1: yeah i don't i mean i think there I, I think there people do bind to people people crave human interaction people need it will it ever go away absolutely not but there is like when when it's you know half past 11 at night and my daughter needs a fancy dress costume <laughs> in 12 hours Yes. An Thank thing for the good. automated, <laughs> algorithmic, you know, kind of dry, unhuman-like uh, interaction that we can all have. So I think there's a, there's space for both. Yeah, you mean online, presumably, yeah, with that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of but course. I mean, even in I was meaning within a store, uh, yeah, in yeah. physical
2: retail, where time is the biggest commodity yeah. now. You know, all customers want a sense of convenience and speed.
1: Yeah. As much as you yeah.
2: know, they, obviously there are the experience aspects, but then that back end operational side, people just want to get in, get out. Yeah. You know? unless you've got something amazing to offer.
1: Like a red carpet, chandeliers and delicious food. Exactly.
0: Very good. Just to finish, one thought that's occurred to me is, do you think some of these issues that are affecting the kind of bricks and mortar stores are also gonna affect the online stores? Because do you think that element of needing that sense of experience, everyone seems to talk about online shopping is about, about convenience. But do you think people actually are going to start wanting a bit more of an experience online? I mean, Fortnite's th- website is actually quite fun, so maybe you're already doing that. But
1: I think I think um, I think there is definitely the don't lose like, the basics around kind of convenience and allowing people to achieve their goals really, really quickly and cleanly and, and simply. Um, but we we all know from I mean, how much time do we all spend in scroll holes? It's unbelievable. So I know that people want content and they want interaction and engagement, and it's you know it's a it's about being able to do both without confusing things. And I think, you know, we've seen over the... As much as we've seen the death of the high street, what's been amazing this year is watching how many digital brands are like, can I have a shop, please? Well, oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, actually, yeah. it's coming the other way. And I think, you know, I read something a couple of weeks ago about... I think I believe it was the Sunglasses brand who were a digital brand and, they, you know, kind of cool and hip and all the rest of it, and did a pop-up. And actually, it was kind of obviously someone very... Young young startup who was like oh, it's amazing like how many people want to come in and try them on and it's like well <laughs> you know that's how retail's been built so yes it's not surprising but for for these kind of innovators and startups that have know nothing but growing up digitally it's really interesting to watch them all come into wanting to have physical spaces and physical manifestation manifestations of their brands and I think it's you know I personally get a feel out of the constant challenge it will presents I think that's um I think it, you know, it, it will keep evolving and it will keep changing, and we have yeah. to adapt. You know, that's that's the thing. But you know, if you're confident in who you are as a brand, then you, you should, it should, yeah, it makes it slightly easier. I think the, the amount
2: of people that are coming from digital into physical now is it's, it's astronomical. Extraordinary. Yeah, the increase through the Yard Creative has been unbelievable. Yeah, um, and they're just looking at it in a completely different way, so. It creates a new challenge for us as designers to think completely differently. Uh, and we just got back from a, a deep dive trip to Shanghai, just to kind of really understand the retail scene out there and the digital side, and the seamlessness and the frictionless aspect of retail over there is incredible.
0: Yeah, because it's all one on- brand, isn't it? It, is, it shouldn't yeah, be seen exactly. As separate they don't things.
2: see online, yeah. they don't see physical. It is just one. Yeah. And like the the power of WeChat. And the ability to buy through physical space and am I going to take it home or are you just going to send it or the options are endless. And at the end of the day, that brand doesn't have to worry about, well, is that member of staff going to get accredited for the sale or is the online platform? Yeah, they're just way past that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And for consumers, it's much more fun and a much more pleasant experience, I imagine. Oh, absolutely. Bring it on. all right very good well thank you both very much for coming in i think it's a really interesting conversation uh you can read more about this on the creative review website at creativereview.co.uk thanks very much